I'm joined by Dr. Kelly Williams-Witt, the Associate Dean of the Dillon School of Business and a labor arbitrator. She is a former registered nurse with an MBA in entrepreneurship and a PhD in human resource management and labor relations. She's an active researcher with expertise in occupational health and a return to work after illness or injury. She sits on the editorial board of the Journal of Occupational Rehabilitation and is a member of the board of directors of the Workplace Wellness Institute. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today, Professor. No problem. So your research involves the study of psychosocial hazards and their impact on the well-being of workers. What are psychosocial hazards and why are they so relevant given the current COVID-19 pandemic? Most of us are familiar with the physical hazards in a workplace, things like heat, cold, chemicals, heavy equipment. Um, we also then in most workplaces have some types of psychosocial hazards and those are the ones that can affect our mental health or mental well-being of any kind of worker. So some of these are in most occupations and they don't necessarily cause a problem until they overwhelm an employee's coping mechanisms. So the worker can't work in a safe and healthy way. Examples of psychosocial hazards could be things like harassment in the workplace, working alone, um, more mundane things like emotional labor, jobs where you have to control your own emotional responses, as you would see in healthcare or customer service, a really good example of that right now would be all of the airlines where customer service agents were having to respond to and deal with complaints from consumers who purchase plane tickets. So our ability to cope is affected by the conditions and stressors outside of work as well as inside the job or related to the job. So family circumstances, financial stress, personal factors like depression or uh, addiction disorders, age, those kinds of things also affect our ability to cope. So you can imagine that with COVID, these are particularly relevant because it affects our workplace hazards for many, but it also creates additional psychosocial stressors for some people. So fear of contracting or spreading the illness is a hazard or is a particular psychosocial hazard, especially for frontline workers. Um, we have a lot of people who have increased job demands because their job roles escalate, the number of shifts they have to ha work increases as staff around them are quarantined or become ill. People have fears for their family, especially if they have family members who are older or immune compromised. People are very concerned about their financial security. For people who are working from home, they may be trying to manage young and school-aged children, which increases their daily job demands and can affect um, their personal expectations or their employer's expectations of productivity. Um, just the inability to engage in the normal coping mechanisms that we use. The COVID also affects that. So the ability to be uh, involved in, in organized sports, socializing, those kinds of things are affected by COVID, COVID. And of course, for some people, their home environments may be unsafe. You may have issues of domestic violence, physical or psychological. And so for some of those folks, the workplace is actually the safest place and they may not be able to go there. So what are some steps employers and employees can take to help reduce the impact of these hazards? So for employees, I think one of the key things that you need to do is to pay attention to your mood and your anxiety levels and reach out for support earlier rather than later. Don't wait for a crisis. Another thing that you can do is find new kinds of coping mechanisms. If you've had to reduce the type that you normally engage in, try to find some new ones to help you. 
uh, cope with the additional demands that you might have or the additional stressors. Yoga, meditation, there's a lot of online apps that you can download onto your phone. Um, you, th you should really be a little bit conscious of using less healthy <laughs> um, coping mechanisms like alcohol or shopping. Um, also, try to reduce your demands where you can. It's okay if the house doesn't get cleaned or if you don't get the laundry done. These are not the most important things in life. You can manage there. Try to find ways that you can connect socially. Put lawn chairs on either side of the fence um, so you can have a morning coffee or afternoon cup of tea with your neighbor. For employers, I think first and foremost, they really must make sure they're meeting all the COVID guidelines for employees who are coming into the workplace in some way, shape or form. Then what they ought to be doing is reassessing psychosocial hazards that may have changed due to COVID. So a lot of employers don't have a baseline of psychosocial hazard assessment. Many do, a lot of larger organizations would have that. So if you haven't done it yet, do it. If you have done it, then reassess it to see how it has changed related to COVID. And then develop a plan to manage those increased or new stressors. Try where you can to reduce job demands for your employees if it's possible. And if not, then at least create policies so that you can address expectations for productivity. Be as clear as you can about what you're expecting and help your employees manage the integration of work and home. So for example, um, telling employees, you know, you shouldn't answer emails after 6 p.m. Make it a rule so that employees do have some separation between work and, and, uh, and home life. Um, provide tools for working from home, cell phones, pay cell phone bills if you need to, and show gratitude to your employees. Cool. Um, so your research has also involved the job demand control model by Robert Karasek, which indicates that those who have a high degree of work pressures and experience a low degree of control have an increased risk of stress. Given the rapid change in people's work environments, what impacts do you think this could have on work pressures and control as they relate to Karasek's model? So when we look at Karasek's model, we actually have different kinds of job demands. We have both challenge demands and hindrance demands. So challenge demands can be those kinds of things that are invigorating and motivating. For some, this will be how they experience the shift in their work because of COVID. They may find that their tasks have changed in ways that have created opportunities for growth. You might find this is the case for people in education or technology, where they've had to be creative to solve problems associated with moving to an online world. Hindrance demands, on the other hand, are those that prevent us from achieving what it is we feel we need to achieve at work. So things like role conflict, work overload, role ambiguity, those are hindrance demands that are actually more damaging than challenge demands. So this is likely a really significant factor in COVID. We're all living with ambiguity right now. We don't know how long the restrictions related to COVID will last or how they'll affect our jobs in the long run. For some, this type of ambiguity is really particularly stressful. Um, COVID in and of itself is likely to prevent some people from accomplishing the tasks they would like to accomplish, or at least it makes it very much more difficult to get them done. This can be as simple as it's diffi the difficulty running an online meeting or conducting an online interview like this one, to the fact that everything just takes longer. Getting groceries takes longer. Accessing information we need that's at the office can take longer. It makes us feel like there are just not enough hours in the day, even if our commute is shorter. 
So increasing control over where, when, and how we do our work can help mitigate the negative effects of hindrance demands. So the research on this is really robust for people who are working at home. COVID has forced this kind of change in some ways. Autonomy is increased as a matter of necessity, but for others working from home will have reduced their sense of control. So it might be very difficult if you have small children at home to find a quiet space to work. It may be particularly interesting to see as we go forward how this has affected decisions in workplaces over the long term in relation to how employers monitor employee productivity uh, and whether they feel it's as necessary to monitor as closely as they have done in the past. So I think there's going to be a lot of um, interesting research that arises from this particular situation that is, is really unheard of. Social support is actually another factor that's part of the the Karasek model, um, and it can mitigate, like increased control, it can mitigate the negative impact of hindrance demands. So personal help from friends and family can help employees cope with hindrance demands, but it's also needed, it needs to come from the workplace. So supervisor support we know is particularly relevant to help employees cope with high job demands. And so for those that are in the workplace and those at home, this matters. How supervisors work with and talk to their employees, supervisors who are kind and who remove barriers for employees are doing more than they realize to help them cope. How do you think all this could impact people's stress levels? So overall, I, I mean, I suspect the impacts will be mixed based on the nature of the occupation and the personal circumstances of every employee. However, early research does indicate, not surprisingly, that, oh, that on the whole, stress and anxiety levels are significantly elevated. People are afraid of getting the virus themselves or of loved ones getting the virus. They're afraid of how it's affecting their personal finances and how long the negative economic impacts will last. So this means that we, in my view, need to have a national strategy to manage the wave of mental health issues that we think is likely to continue well past the current constraints on our social interactions. So for as long as Corona continues to be at the forefront of every news story, people are going to feel anxiety and stress. For as long as the economic impact continues, people are going to have elevated levels of anxiety and stress. And I would also say that I think we understand that the negative impact of this is going to strike those um, who are the most vulnerable. So those at the lower level of the economic um, spectrum, those who have fewer social supports. Those are, those are the people that are going to be hit the hardest. And so the strategy that we develop really needs to be around the idea that, of supporting those of, that who, who are most vulnerable. And uh, given your expertise in the area, what advice do you have for employers and employees to help manage stress levels and maintain well-being through this pandemic? In addition to some of the other things that I talked about, um, I think really for employers, regularly communicating with your employees is really helpful, but the quality of that communication matters. So checking in with them, not to see what they're doing, but to see how they're doing is one way that employers can be supportive. Uh, ensuring there's role clarity to reduce ambiguity about the workplace and the job as much as you possibly can. So explaining to people what it is you are expecting them to do while they're at home and what it is that you're expecting they don't have to do because of the changes related to COVID. 
recognizing personal circumstances affect productivity and make and make allowance for those help those who have distractions at home who have alternative care delivery issues that they're trying to deal with and make allowances for that don't expect them to maintain the same level of productivity and don't expect your employees to um, be able to keep the kids quiet uh, during meetings I think employers can also be supplying, um, providing psychosocial supports, uh, employee and family assistance plans, making sure their employees know how to access those and ensuring that they know it's available for them. Removing barriers for employees. So things like, you know, if there are transportation issues that employees are struggling with because they're trying to take the bus and it's taking longer to catch the bus, um, is there a way that the employer can help manage that? Are employees struggling with poor internet quality? And is there something that the employer can do to better support that? So being a bit creative and moving outside of the things that employers normally support for employees who are trying to get to and from work and do their jobs. I think um, we also need to just be very conscious of not over-monitoring or micromanaging. Um, it, you know, as simply as it can be said, be kind to your employees and start making plans for returning to work. On the employee side, um, you know, I, I think all of those coping mechanisms that I've already talked about, um, find new ones. If, if you can't use the ones that you have used before, find new ones that work for you. Try to maintain social engagement. Talk to your employer if you're overwhelmed with the work and the personal circumstances that you're, you're facing. Take a few moments every day to breathe in deeply. There's really good evidence that mindfulness exercises are actually helpful to reduce or moderate levels of stress. I think do something that makes you happy every day, that makes you feel happy. So whether that's wearing a bright color, whether that's lighting candles, whether that is standing outside for a few minutes just to get a bit, a bit of fresh air in between tasks, find a thing that's small and inexpensive that you can do every day that makes you happy and be kind to other people as well. We know that altruism, being good to others, is something that actually elevates our own mood. So be kind to yourself and everybody else.